0: Hey, everybody. I wanted to let you know that I'll be speaking for a free conference, the Kindness is Essential, Not Optional Conference. It's being put on by Holly Tet of Paws Up Dogs UK. You can find more information by contacting Holly through her website, pawsupdogs.com. Hey, dog people of the internet. Welcome to Cog Dog Radio, a podcast all about dog sports, behavior, and training. I'm your host, Sarah Stremming of The Cognitive Canine, and I can't wait to share my behavior cases, training revelations, and general geekery with you. Let's get started. I have such a treat for you all today. I have my friend, Dr. Amy Cook, here on the podcast, and we talked all about management for reactivity and Gosh, so much more. So who is Amy? She's a certified dog behavior consultant through the IWABC. She has a PhD in psychology from UC Berkeley, where her research was focused on the dog-human relationship. And she's my friend and a good person and a fellow instructor over at FDSA. And I think that you will all really enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Will you start by sharing your name and your pronouns? Absolutely. Amy Cook, she her. Amy, first of all, it is ridiculous that it has taken me this long to have you on the podcast. So I would like to apologize to you and everyone else.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, but I just say no, 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 no no no, it's just an honor. I know you have many people more more prestigious than than uh, I am.
0: Well, what happens is that you and I just always have our conversations without a microphone present. Like we just always have our conversations and I'm always like, man, this is really good. And then nobody recorded anything. <laughs> if only we
1: had, maybe we need a new habit that anytime we get on <laughs> maybe, the phone, we just need to start yeah. recording in case yeah. there's a gem. Would not be a bad idea. Wouldn't so
0: a- <laughs> Amy, you are here today to talk about management for reactive behaviors yeah, or reactivity management. So let's just start where we like to start. What let's define, first of all, I think we all kind of are on the same page with the word reactivity, but it's basically the barky lungy gamut of behaviors, right? But what is management as it specifically pertains to
1: reactivity? I I sort of see that we we've all talked about management trainers talk about management all the time. Right. and, and, It only occurred to me at some point that we may all have quite a variety of definitions for that, right? And and at its barest, it is, I am going to either arrange the environment or arrange the situation or arrange my dog such that behavior isn't being rehearsed, right? But if you spend any amount of time really looking at that or trying to get it in your dog or trying to craft it, you realize that, or at least I I had realized that I wanted to separate it into two categories. I wanted a passive management, which is what we usually think of all the management as. Like I've put up the baby gate. I have made sure the crate is a good place. I can give my dog a rest in. I've put up film on the windows. I've put up film on the windows of my car, something like that. Passive management. I don't walk. I don't walk down that street. I don't walk down that street. You know, I have tools that work for me, like the baby gate. But to really be able to prevent rehearsal of behavior that you don't want, all this reactive, reactive behavior, we don't want to see dogs continuing to do that, right? But when you need to actually truly prevent reactive behavior, you don't always have the luxury of time to have had something already in place because things are, the conditions are changing all the time around you. And so I find that people really do better if they also have a plan of what to do in a moment that is improvised when you're outside. Like you can't say, well, I shouldn't have been on this block because you got on that block and the block changed. Something changed. So a passive management to me is I already made a plan. I already know how my house is set up. But I now focus on active management, which is what do I do in a particular given moment When conditions are changing and I need to really still help my dog.
0: Okay. So I love this distinction, active and passive management. I do think as an industry, we are thinking about the passive kind. I think what you're calling active management, I often call damage control.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, the thing is, I think I, I think I did too. I think I didn't really, for a large part of my career, really put a whole lot of thought into all of the pieces of this and what exactly I would want. Because I was thinking of it as the thing you do in the moment to make it less than it was going to be, you know, how you react Mm -hmm. when all is kind of gone pear-shaped and it's time to go, or it's time to protect your dog or cut off some kind of behavior. I find now that there are a lot of ways that if you get in just ahead of that, just before everything's going to go, you see that it could go pretty poorly right up ahead. You can enact management then. And then it's not, it's not so much after the fact any longer, but I'm still going to put it in the management category. And I'll tell I'll tell you why over time, why I think that that's actually a different thing than training. And if we think of this If we conceive of it as damage control, if we conceive of it that way, then we're really only going to do it when we're in trouble. We're going to do it when we need to do it. If we think of it as a plan you have, as an active system that you're teaching yourself and your dog how to do, you'll be much more likely to make sure those tools are really sharp and that you're practicing practicing them at other times. If we if we think of it of management as something you do improvisationally, like, oh, oh God, I better manage now. Things are all going wrong. Too much of it will be improvised. And I don't think that it's going to be as effective if your dog hasn't seen a whole lot of this before and all the little pieces before because you're improvising, right? So... That's sort of why I decided there's got to be a piece of this that I just want to call active, where I teach people exactly how to get through a variety of situations to be both more effective than what I had before and to be fair to the dog. So they get a chance to really not only see it when, <laughs> you know, when they've already kind of lost their baby, Yeah, right?
0: when they're kind of not even there anymore, right? So right. what what I'm loving about this is that, and the difference really... When I say damage control, and I do talk about that as something you do when the wheels fall off. Right. And you're talking active management. I love this because you you actively train for it. You work really hard on teaching the person, Mm -hmm. you know, and therefore the dog, but really you really focus on your human students learning these this particular skill set when nothing is going wrong when nothing is so going that they're wrong. Both, right yeah so they're both really well practiced
1: yes and these things there's a number of ways i like to like to think of that because first of all my job is really to teach people Right? I'm not teaching mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of dogs. Our job is to teach people and, and people need things broken down <laughs> and people need a chance to rehearse stuff when it's not crucial that they get it right. You know, people need a chance to perfect their skills under low stakes, everything. So that when it doesn't work and they mess up and they drop cookies or they forget what they're doing, yes. it doesn't matter. It's you know? the
0: same as anything else. When you, as run, when you go run an agility course in, in your agility class, that is not nationals finals, no, right? And it is so important that it's not
1: so important that it's not
0: because how can you learn if it's, if it's national
1: finals, if it mattered, if it mattered. And, and if, right? you, know, if you, if you, and you walk the course, even when it is nationals finals, you've walked the course, you know yeah you've at least <laughs> so, gone through this is not motions. an improvisation you know and yeah. and there are no high stakes and a lot of times when we're walking dogs that are struggling behaviorally sometimes the stakes are quite high quite high yeah for real that we get this done and and even if like you and i might know as trainers that any given moment that doesn't go well is probably not going to be that big a deal probably and whatever not every dog owner feels that way dog owners feel like every time their dog has barked and lunged that they're back at square one or that they've you know they've emptied all the work they've done they've got to start over or oh no my dog went over threshold oh no and and I don't I mean, don't you feel
0: like that? Like I have to talk myself off of that cliff. I I gotta say, I can can intellectually talk myself off of that cliff, but the emotional
1: moment is still there. I had to get very specific mentorship. I didn't mean to, I got specific mentorship in literally that exact thing because I was so concerned, especially, I was- a decade and a half into training. And I was so sure threshold was the the thing that And it does, it does matter. It matters a lot, everyone. It matters, but Uh I was so sure that if I went there, it was so important that if I went over threshold, we we had a rehearsal of the wrong thing and and all would be lost that when I was working with a a mentor of mine um, and my dog barked because of changing condition, I nearly burst into tears because I really didn't want that to have happened. And she was aghast. She was like, "It's it's it's okay." And I'm like, "No, but she she barked at the man at the trigger. She barked at him. We got all the way to her fear area, and my mentor was like, "No, this this really is okay. She just barked and she's fine now, and we're we're gonna reset, and it's really okay." And I'm like, it, it is. Like I didn't know <laughs> that it was gonna be okay because I was trying so hard I to never I, ever ever have her fail."
0: I think that's a common experience in our field because absolutely once once you're aware of that concept of behavioral thresholds Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're then you're like you're hyper aware of it Mm -hmm. and you're very
1: upset anytime you're you're trying to manage everything perfectly
0: yes yes i mean that was me with Iggy as a young dog Iggy was extremely reactive as a young dog and i was um relatively young trainer as well Mm -hmm. and it was so hard for me anytime she had an outburst because i was pretty sure it was over We
1: were done for very much never be okay. Yeah. And and, you know, my mentor's like, I mean, ideally we don't want this, but you know, dogs do yell and, and (laughs) you know, there are variety, there's a variety of experiences which could cause them to yell. I don't think the one you just saw your dog do was her in abject panic. She barked at the guy to make him leave (laughs) because we, you know, we did, we made the wrong choice with, you know, whatever. And I was, I was near tears, sure that I had lost years of work. It, it was not even remotely like that. She barked, she didn't, and she was perfectly fine. She was giving a social signal. Um, but people, this is not their profession. And even us for whom it is our profession, it, it's not always clear what, what is really high stakes and what's going to be okay. And so we, I don't want people to be learning at a time when they think it's crucial that everything go perfectly right, because it won't go perfectly right. And mm-hmm. if you're carrying around with you, the burden of, well, I didn't manage it well. I didn't know what to do. I tried my best is all lost now. I don't want people thinking those things. And, and it, it's going to be what it's going to be. If it is really impactful, well, still, it already happened. I need you to keep moving forward. Don't, don't get frozen. What people tend to do is statue up. They aren't sure what, what mm-hmm. the thing to do is I, I'm not supposed to put neck pressure. I'm not supposed to pull my dog anywhere. I'm not supposed to give a cookie after a reaction, they might think. I'm not supposed to X, Y, Z. And right. so they freeze. People will freeze. Their dog is barking at the end of a leash and straining and jumping and lunging. And they're standing there because I'm embarrassed. I'm I'm not sure if I'm supposed to pull back. Gosh, that doesn't sound right. I'm right. not sure if I'm supposed to put a cookie out here. That doesn't sound right. Right. I, am I supposed to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry up ahead. She's, she's friendly. Really. I'm so sorry. They're trying to talk about it sure. all this while the dog is just going and going. And I wish people, I want people to have a plan that they can just follow always and know that it's okay to do. And then to practice that plan until they don't statue anymore. They don't stand there and think which thing, you know, which thing right. we practiced it for weeks, you know, which right. Until they are, they are fluent. They're fluent enough that they can call up that skill and go.
0: Kind of on an unconscious level, like they kind they go, okay, this is what we do. And I also think that I experience people's, I like your phrase, statuing up when even before the dog reacts, when mm-hmm. they see the thing. Totally. Right? If anything unexpected happens in the environment, the person is like, oh God. Oh what God. Do do? And they have stopped breathing and now they're not sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now, and then the dog is like, well, you're not fine. So
1: clearly <laughs> this is not fine. And, and, and the people are our learners. We've got to help the people we, they feel like are. they're not, and they have something they can do. And that's right. And, you know, I also, I mean, that brings up a, brings up a thought. It's like, when I'm teaching this, I usually have the luxury of time. I teach this in the, uh, you know, a six week online course. So I've got a lot of contact with these people. It's not six weeks where I meet them once a week, which is common in in person dog training, right? I get to talk to them every day for six weeks. And so I get to explore all the elements of what I know people will struggle with. And one thing uh, that they can struggle with is that they're not going to actually change that initial freezing or Holding the breath, or saying "Oh shit," or sorry, or you know, having a moment of indecision, or speaking too sharply, or pulling their leash too much—they're they—they're not just going to magically have that go away because people take a while to change, and automatic reactions are, you know, they're they're tough. So partly also, what I do is I help a dog to see that that's also part of the picture and is not a big Mm -hmm. deal. So as we progress in the class, I get people to start acting. And I give out the Oscars to I, and I have them act as if this is actually a really big deal. I have them gasp in in fear that something has turned the corner. I have them say "Oh shit!" and gather their leash up and kind of go "Oh oh god, dog, come here," and the and we'll see the dogs go "Oh, I know that. I know what that means," and they start scanning the environment. And until that dog no longer does that to your stress signals, I don't consider us done. I want the dog to be like, "Oh, you're faking it. There's nothing here." I want you to act like a dog just showed up and go, oh, shit, come here. We got to go. We got to go. Come on, let's go." and run away and the dog will be like, oh, "Okay, I didn't see anything." You're like, "Yeah, I was just joking." Because it's not because I don't think they can ever overcome that, but if we tell people they have to be calm, or they have to take immediate action for this to work, or they have to make sure to breathe and don't raise your voice and don't say, oh shit, <laughs> I'm sorry, and don't um, don't you know, act like how you act. Then people will freeze again. Oh, don't act like how I act, um, act some other way. It's a high bar to hit to change everything you do um, and all the stress around right. it for, your, for <laughs> your reactive dog, right? Reactive dogs <laughs> are stressing you out. You're embarrassed or you're scared or something and you're unsure and you're not going to change it in the short time i have with you. So we teach the dog. You know what? That's just dumb human games we play. That's just silly things that people do. I sometimes go, "Oh no," and then i throw cookies. And so you're not so changed by it. And i find the dogs change really quickly, way faster than people do. So i can get a dog to think that's part of a game faster than i can get a person to become sanguine. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And
0: totally. measured <laughs> and in control all the time, which is again why we are in the business of teaching people. Yeah. Actually, and okay, so we've got active management techniques as a huge, huge part of client education. Yeah,
1: Do you it's want a to first talk... part. <laughs> it's my first part. It
0: honestly, I love it, and I think there's going to be this added bonus. And tell me if you experience this. With the person and the dog of just kind of almost just building this working relationship between the two of them because this is easy wins. Like this is mm-hmm. big money, big money in the bank account mm-hmm. of their relationship because right. it's high rate reinforcement. It's easy behaviors. Yes, exactly. Talk about, yeah, talk about what some
1: of those behaviors are. It's it, you. You said it exactly right. I've tuned all of the behaviors to be as easy as possible for the dog there there's it's a very low bar the dog needs to eat uh and walk and if they can't eat outside we're working on that too we're, we're working on them being able to eat outside because i know plenty of people are going to say yeah well but he can't i know we're going to work on that but as far as performing any behaviors none of these are on cue uh you're not giving your dogs cues and waiting for them to do things and then giving cookies you are causing behavior to happen through your cookies. So that would be like luring and other things I can I can talk about. But I want the behaviors to be as simple for the dog as, I didn't even have to hear what you were saying because I was a little scattered, but I see food, it's in front of my face, I can at least eat it. It should be very, very simple. Because I already know that that dog is going to be unable to perform its trained behaviors, right? If a dog could perform its trained behaviors on cue, it wouldn't need to be managed by you. It, you could just give a cue to it. You could say, Hey dog, um heal and <laughs> your dog would yes, heal away with you, right? That <laughs> is like the
0: old school approach to to these, it is the old to these behaviors, approach, right? Right is ob- obedience. Obey them what I
1: said. Mm-hmm. O-
0: obedience them into mm-hmm. never reacting. Mm-hmm. And um and when they can't perform that, it. <laughs> well, and that tends to be effective when you've got compulsion behind it. That's right. And, you know, I'm using the word effective with the, with an asterisk on it, of right. course.
1: Of course. Um,
0: which I think the listeners of this podcast are probably aware of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: but that was, I mean, I learned that forever ago. For sure. 20, 20 years ago, I learned you put the dog into heel. If the dog gets out of heel, they get a correction. And, and that's they that. they have a bigger and problem they, in the environment than what was in the environment. Well, and they I have mean, you. I was right. I was literally told they should fear you more than any of the other stuff going on right and i mean we can just we don't need to talk about how sad that is but um, (laughs) what's cool here is that you're going okay we're just going to teach this person how to produce behavior with food yes and then get that done in such a fluent sense in so many different environments that then when the thing
1: shows up we can still do that you've got a fighting chance and and you know i'm like you know a crossover as you are as well and so I know mm-hmm. what I know what was effective in that land and what I would do mm-hmm. and why and why it was effective right and now no longer doing those things shouldn't mean that I can't accomplish what I was trying to accomplish with that you're not trying to accomplish. I'm sorry can you say that again <laughs> <laughs> so I mean like Oh, I, we need just, to be effective. I, we still need to be effective. I still effective, need to be effective. Is what we're
0: saying. Yes, we and still so, need to be effective.
1: And like there are layers to what's effective in the old school techniques we used to use. Just because the compulsion part of that and the upsetting part of that and the just do it my way and I don't care what you think kind of things way, just because that's not in the picture doesn't mean the rest of what I might have been accomplishing them is in the picture, which was. Um, focus over here. Um, keep moving your body, keep moving your body along with where I'm going. And and, you know, there are so many effective pieces to that that if you've had these experiences as you and I have, it's like I can be like, well, I used to be able to create this picture. Can I still create this picture? But now I've got, you know, food and games? Yes, I can actually. Mm-hmm. So let me do that. Mm-hmm. In active in, in the active management system with with uh, what I'm talking about with people, I want the people to be doing the heavy lifting and the dog to be as low as a low bar on their behavior as possible so um it's not a cue you're not giving a cue you can give them but you're not giving a cue and then seeing them perform it and and responding to their performance because that's one that's training and two if your dog could do it which is where we left off if your dog could do that you would just be giving those cues you'd say come along and hand touch and let's go you'd be saying it and your dog would be doing it and if your dog could do that you are not in a place where you need management you can conduct your dog as you are conducting your training, like in, in general management is for when you already know that your dog is not really going to be able to follow these cues that you would maybe otherwise have given. Like, I would like to tell my dog, let's go and have him pop into heel and and prance along with me away from this block, but I know that's not going to happen. So therefore it's management time and how I I, I separate, follow,
0: follow the cookie magnet just to make sure everybody kind of understands what that might look like follow a cookie magnet away. I know you do, you know, you work really hard on really teaching the specific maneuvers with this kind of cookie magnet situation.
1: I I do. So I do a magnet hand, which is that it's, it's, it's distinct from a lure. Most people see that as a lure and I distinguish it by saying a lure is a promise that if you come along, I will be feeding it to you when we get over there. And so I have the cookie and it's in front of your nose and we're walking this direction. And when we get far enough or whatever, here's the cookie, you can eat it. A magnet hand is not that it is that you are actually eating the whole time we are walking. So I'm asking you, dog, not to be promised that food will come. Because frankly, if I show you the cookie and have it on your face, you can tear away from that. You can just tear away from that pretty easily. Like you'll get it later. So forget that. I'm going to tear my nose over here and bark. But if you are actively eating, so like my hand is almost like in the shape of a Kong and it's a, it's a fist with a hole near the pinky side of my fist. And I'm just slowly unfurling those fingers and the dog is diving their face inside the fist and actively eating the whole time I'm walking, not the whole time for, for 10 paces or so, which is more um, compelling in quotes. In it's more compelling for the dog. They want, they're, they're actively mm-hmm. eating. It's not a promise of eating if only you come along. It is, I am actively eating while we're walking. Now that's a skill that has to be taught. Dogs have to be able to walk and eat and you practice it for a few weeks and people need to be able to think about where their hand goes and yeah. how do I unfurl my fingers and the cookies are falling all over the place and then suddenly they're not and you've got this little rhythm of walking together with a magnet t- tight up close to your leg so that your the, their head is right where you need it you can watch where they're looking you can in fact and here's a benefit to this to the magnet hand in particular um, not only can you decide what path you're going to walk on you can make U-turns and pull up driveways or whatever. You can do that. But you don't have to look down at your dog. If your fist is being dug into by their nose on the pinky side there while they're next to you and your hand is down by your, say, knee or thigh, and they're digging in, you know where their eyes are. You actually know where their face is because you can feel it. Mm -hmm. So I'm free then to put my head on a swivel and look around and see where my trigger just went. I'm free to look ahead up on my path. And when I'm feeding one... One cookie after another, I'm a lot more having to look at a dog to do that, to make sure they're still looking at me, to talk to them, to keep their head with one after the other. If it's magnet style, I can feel them, I can have tactile feedback that they're connected. So I can look behind me and know which way to go. It's so much more reassuring to know that your dog actually is stuck on a task and you don't need your eyes to know that they're doing that, at least for a couple of seconds while you look around. So, so feeding them along that way is actually a skill I do teach. And it's not the same thing as a lure.
0: And I just want to emphasize again, that this is a, this is a trained behavior. You are not just mm-hmm. counting on dogs mm-hmm. like eating. You're not counting on dogs like eating. You are actually laying down a reinforcement history for this specific behavior. And the mm-hmm. person looks like this. And what you do is you do this and you're, you're doing it enough times and reliably enough that in a slightly dicey situation, you have a fighting
1: chance, like you said, of Absolutely. getting the to att- You've got re- attached to the magnet. You have a really good chance because what I, so first, you know, we'll start like, for example, for to start magnet hand, you'll start on the couch, you know, just, I need you to be able to eat out of my fist. Can you do that? You know, yeah. can we, can we slightly or, or slowly walk through the house down the hallway while you're eating that? But if that, when that gets fluent, I start saying, okay, how can you march? Can you go faster? Um, How about this? Can you talk to your dog at the same time? How about this? Can you wiggle your hand a little bit and say, get it, get it. You get in there, buddy. You better get it. And you get intense with your dog. So they're like, Ooh, ooh, I better get it. That's starting to be what I call filling all the channels. So I want you to make sure their ears are full too. So they're not half listening to whatever's behind them and the tags jingling or the people, wherever you're intensely saying, you better get in there, get those cookies, buddy. Come on, we got to go. And I want you to be doing that so you can test the strength of this connection. So your dog is really just like, Oh, I better get these cookies. Then you, then, you know, you have more of their brain to compete with when their brain wants to go listen to whatever it was that was out there. It's not just, well, the cookies are here. I hope they're good enough. I'm going to kind of silently walk and hope it works. You are working to keep your dog in that mode in with his face in a bowl, in your handful of cookies so that you know you can compete, or at least you're trying really hard to compete with whatever it was they want to go be looking at or yelling at. And we bring up the intensity way before we ever think about triggers or using it in real life. I'm walking around, I'm having them walk around in their driveway and in their cul-de-sac and down their hallways, pretending a dog is there and dialing it up. And I'll say, if you were walking right now and walking just like this and a dog were there. Would your dog stick with you? Oh, no. Well, then you're going to, I want you to dial it up right now in your hallway, dial it up and get, mm. get animated, get interactive. You're the one that's saying, we got to go get your face near, come on. And you're booking and you're moving. Show him that picture now, because if you show him a sedate picture in your hallway and he's happily munching on treats and trotting next to you, getting it done. And then in real life, you go, oh no, there's a dog, get your face in the cookies. And you're trying to get it done. Your dog's like, that's not the picture you ever trained me for
0: right i need people to act
1: like they're gonna act and as animated as possible so they're competing So this is is an acting class you teach it's (laughs) it's an acting class (laughs) that i teach and oscars get given i'm just saying and (laughs) and i love it when i can't tell so sometimes the videos will come in and they'll be showing what they're doing and i'm like was there a dog present i couldn't tell you Cause you look like for all the world, like you're managing like they're, And they're
0: like, no. And you're like, and the Oscar goes too. And the Oscar
1: goes too. <laughs> and, 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 you know, so, so back to kind of what the person needs to be thinking, like the bar is really low on the dog because they're not performing any behaviors other than at least can you eat? Like, just can you eat and walk? I can do, I can work with it if you can eat, right? And we, and we build that in the beginning. But after that, what I really need a person to think is that they are not the trainer. Because I know everyone listening in your audience who is a professional trainer is saying, Yeah, but you're talking about tra- like if you're rehearsing it, this is training, right? All, all things are training. Anytime I've got cookies out, there's training. Anytime I'm talking to my dog, there's training. There's no real distinction between training and management in reality, dog trainer out there. But in the teaching scheme, they're completely separate to me. Uh, and, and, you know, as a thinking of it just as a concept, management means you are not going to give a cue and wait to see what you get. You are not going to reward a behavior, only the behavior you like and try not to with the ones you don't. You're not in training mode. You're not giving cues and seeing if this works. You have changed into manager. And what happens with the manager is you just are going to take over. Like you're Mm -hmm. just going to take over. Like it's Mm -hmm. time to go and we are just going to go. We are going to go as kindly as we can, but I am not negotiating this and I am not slowly seeing if you're okay to go and I'm not asking you, we have to go, we absolutely you know, have to leave right here. now. And so we literally are, yeah. I have become the manager, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I, they don't make these anymore, but it's like when in some sitcom, when some driver's ed thing is happening where the driver's driving, but then like you can flip a switch and the passenger has the wheel and the brakes. It's like, Nope, you can't drive anymore. <laughs> I'm taking over. Right. There is no car like that. I thought there would be when I grew up, but there's no car like that. Uh, but yeah, no. someone just says, well, you're done with that. So I'm going to steer the car. Like you can't anymore. I don't know what happened over here, but I'm swerving us. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we don't wait to see, we don't say to a driver swerve. Now, swerve! you need to swerve, the car's coming, you need to swerve. It's like, we just grab the wheel and we like swerve because it matters. Mm -hmm. And I try to get people to see that. Well, your dog can't, and you can't wait to see if your dog can. And this is not the time to negotiate and wave your cookie and say, come on, we got to go and try. This is your time to say, I'm taking your hand toddler. And we're crossing the street or we're we're getting out of the street, whatever it is. I'm making it happen. Turning into that person. You we have to give people permission to turn into that person and say, you're just gonna oh, take yeah. over because yeah. it because it could seem quite aversive. It could seem like I'm saying, yank your dog and boss him around and go. And it's like, well, no, we're gonna prepare all these things. Your dog's gonna learn how to be managed by you in an active capacity. You're going to turn into an active manager and your dog's gonna say, Oh, that guy, I know that woman. I understand this piece. I know what you're doing. Uh, I, we're going to do the thing that where you just kind of like make it happen. And I'm like, my job is to come along. I don't really want to, but like, these are emergency maneuvers. So uh, if if I had the space to, to check with you and, and get you to come along through collaboration, I would not need to manage you. So then it's not a management. Then it's scenario. not management. Then mm-hmm. do exactly whatever it was you were going to do. Give your dog a chance to, to make a choice. Like that's all wonderful. And we're talking about what and to on, do when that can't happen. And on that
0: note, right. So management is what happens when what you'd like to do, which is your if we call it training or whatever, um, interventions,
1: interventions is not possible. Yeah. It's not possible. Yeah, when
0: you're when your other interventions are not possible, management is what you have to do. Is what you I have do, to do think there's an there's an important distinction that needs to be made here because I think that there's a misconception and I think it's I think it's an earned misconception
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: that okay. our our plus trainers in particular, maybe don't train enough and manage. I'm not sure how I want to say this. Mm. (laughs) Um, Maybe we're we're always in shove cookies at the dog mode Mm. rather than put the dog in constructive situations where they make a choice and then that choice is reinforced or not. So now we're coming to the distinction between this active management And then the actual behavior modification or therapy Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. you are, that you're doing.
1: That you're doing, or you're at Liberty, like maybe there's a third case, but right. Yeah.
0: They're different things.
1: They are. They
0: require each other to be effective because dogs still live in the world.
1: And every moment cannot be therapy.
0: Also every moment cannot be therapy. And can I say, thank God for that as a person who goes to therapy? (laughs)
1: I mean, if you've had to delve into all of your stuff Uh, days. (laughs) Such hell. My
0: God. I mean, I just told somebody the other day, if you've never had a therapy hangover, you don't, you're not, your therapist is not good enough. You're not in therapy. You're not not in therapy if you don't have like, sometimes have like a three-day recovery process from Mm. that hour. And when we're, when we're intervening on behaviors like this. Mm -hmm. It is similar. And so making every single outing, every single time you walk out the door therapy with your dog
1: isn't fair for either of you. It isn't fair for either of you. And, and also the people who are doing this are not trainers. These, these are people who are doing their best, They're dog owners, and they're doing their best doing to their understand best with all information. of this. Yeah, with the information and- that is. And they hear, of course, you know, you do certain kinds of, you know, looking behaviors and click for disengagement, and they hear all about what to do with their dog to help them feel better, make a new CER, whatever it's going to be to triggers. That's the message they get. And of course that's, Mm. they should get that they're, they're getting good messages, but, but sometimes it's maybe not as emphasized. I'm not really sure that I know exactly, but they don't always know that that doesn't have to be a hundred percent of every walk, every trigger you see does not have to become a learning experience. You know, if I'm reforming uh, the way I feel about spiders, I can pick and choose when I have a spider therapy moment. It doesn't have to be every spider in my house, every single one I see in the woods. I don't have to do every one of them. I can avoid some of them so that I don't have to do that work right now and, and choose when to do that work. And, and that's second nature to us because we also know that Many times you're not under enough threshold when, when a trigger has shown up in your environment. And this isn't the right time to be working that one. We, when we're experienced, we actually know, yeah, I'm going to not work that one. That That's a complex picture. My dog's not ready for that. We're going to go over here. And then like, oh, that's that opportunity is pretty good. I kind of like how far away that person is. This is going to be great for a little bit of impromptu trigger work, Right. Um, Mm -hmm. We know how to kind of arrange that. But when I had to start coding it down and and pass it on to other people, I realized that's a piece we're not always communicating that just because you're outside and you're doing your walk, you don't have to do reactivity training with every person you pass or with every scenario you see. But then if you're not going to do that what are you going to do because if you don't do something you do your dog is going to blow these up other skills yes you <laughs> have dog... this
0: is where yeah, you can't just not do it in. right and so don't you think that as professionals cuz i look back at myself like nearly 15 years ago i'm literally thinking of a couple of cases in particular where i felt really pressured to make every session a breakthrough therapy session totally when in reality Nine sessions out of 10 should have been, here's your active management that we're gonna to practice today.
1: Right, and so much of that has to do with also how we are, how we have over time come to redefine threshold, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. this isn't, we don't have the time for us to really delve into all that threshold means and perhaps we can meet again. But the, the short of it that applies to this is that many times when we're out there, we intend, we know we're supposed to work under threshold, but we may not be while well out there. And we want to get that breakthrough. Yeah. We want to get the thing to work and it can make us lose a little sight of the difficulty level changing. But that's a crucial piece because it, because it, it needs to be pretty well monitored for you to get good, good behavioral shift um, or you really want it to be ideally. But what you do with management in the active process of it it's all food and it's all games and it's all moving and getting away, but in the presence of a trigger. So it yeah. is kind of low key. It's low key it's addressing still, it's the still behavior. Therapeutic. About, it's a I'm going to say therapeutic. it's still
0: therapeutic. It just isn't therapy. It's, it just, similar to, yes. it's similar to if I maybe start to feel myself getting into a difficult conversation and I'm able to go, okay, I know how, to communicate, to get myself out of this conversation because I don't think I can have it right now. Right. That's as therapeutic. It's a and rehearsal of something else
1: as that's used having, to... right, as having
0: the conversation as a form of therapy. Like and having those, it resolved, right. Those are, yeah, those are both really necessary things for me to be able to do to survive as a human because mm-hmm. we can't look at every tough situation and resolve it. It's not going to happen.
1: It's not going to happen. And if you're impro- improvising, as many people are doing, some kind of looking or not looking behaviors while you're out in a walk, that's all improvisational. None of those triggers are arranged for you and none of them are going to act like you need them to. Correct. And none of them Correct. are going to walk in, in the slow enough or fast enough or any of the things. You're always improvising out there and improvised behavioral intervention is weak at best. It's often not getting to where it needs to go. And sometimes we end up with reactive situations that are going on for a long period of time because we're not focusing on therapy being at its most effective under threshold and set up so that the dog learns exactly what you need them to learn, what they need to learn, set up in particular. And then the rest of the time, you're carefully not exposing them as best you can, getting out of dodge when when it's going to be too tight so that you're not rehearsing what you don't need. when When we separate these, we make each more effective. Dare I say also a managed walk that isn't about therapy keeps a dog not looking for when the next therapeutic moment might well, be happening. that dog which keeps well, them then, from being vigilant
0: for the next yeah, trigger that you're, all, you're gonna work with. That's actually the point of your walk. Like yeah. the point of your walk is not to cope with triggers. Right. It's right? To like the point stuff of the walk is to exercise <laughs> and enjoy sit each other and decompress and feel like a dog and like have a nice time. Right. But if you're just constantly dealing with trigger, trigger, trigger and that's right. why you know the trainer's advice is typically like the passive management. Right, right. Is can be as extreme as stop walking
1: mm-hmm. or
0: can be mm-hmm. can be walk at these times of day. Get in your car first and go somewhere can else. Can be get walk. in your car. I mean, that's usually my recommendation Mine is too. get in the car, mm-hmm. go get out of suburbia, get out mm-hmm. of urban situations. It's so hard on dogs. Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna argue, just as a sidebar, it's hard on people too, and you can also use some nature. And so it's so important that not every, I think that we just have to continue to shout that from the rooftops, that if every single time you walk out that door with that dog, it has it's to work. be therapy. It's work. And, and it it's has it's looked at be the trigger work. and look away and click for this. And, and you're actually, you're probably hurting your own progress because- I think you are. Because you need those walks that are not that hard.
1: And we just, we really want dogs to think when they go outside that the world is- generally a safe place as best we can arrange it. Of course, we're trying to build some can. optimism. Yeah. We're trying to say walks are going to be fine. Occasionally there's a thing, but I got it. You don't have to okay. figure this out. I got yeah. this. And, you know, if, 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 and this isn't everybody's experience with their reactive walks, but if every time you're going out it's work and it's uh, variably successful, not universally successful, because things are hard out there and so sometimes it's not that successful that you are able to whatever handle a trigger correctly or beneficially then your dog's relative optimism for what their walks were like or what it is to go outside it's 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 work and the stress is daily and where's the stress vacation maybe it's in your house and i hope it is and maybe it's that once a week yeah. walk when you got to the woods but i would like to have more vacation than that because it's reactivity is stressful. And so I want to see a a person to be able to avoid the problem actively, positively, capably with fun and games, but you're avoiding seeing this, you're avoiding the problem so that you can pick and choose when we do the part that's a a little challenging or a little new learning uh, to your advantage, pick the right time to do that. And don't do it. Don't do it just because you're out there. You're not you're not required to just because all your triggers are out there. You're not required to face them and deal with them. You can do something else.
0: Right, and can I just like, for me with my personal oh. dogs, one of them is weighing in. Um, <laughs> for me with my personal dogs, if I have like a happenstance trigger mm-hmm. that I then try to make into therapy, that never goes well for me. Okay. Like that does not go well for me. Here's what goes well for me. Yeah. What goes well for me is I have a plan. Mm -hmm. I have triggers that, you know, the, the world is not controllable, but I have triggers that maybe I have better control over than Mm -hmm. not. So like one of, um, actually Ray dare I say, only thing, only problem is so that- So far, um, so far, no, no. Thus far, she is young. Um, <laughs> she's barky. I mean, the breed is barky, right? Mm, they, yeah, She barks they at do. stuff. She, she barks at stuff. I would not qualify it as reactive, except mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. one trigger in particular, which is horses. Which is the horses. I was going to ask you if it was horses. Which yeah. is horses. Now, she's come really far, and they've done some really smart things. But you know what, what works great for me when we happen to run into a horse in real life is for me to deploy my management, my active management, which I have in droves that I train mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And then if I happen to notice that there are some horses that I know I can actually work with yeah. that are not happenstance, I then arranged for there to be therapy. So like when we were at Sinosport, it's at a horse, um, a big equestrian facility. And so there were pastures with horses in them that we could work with with mm-hmm. plenty. I mean, I have a video of the dog five feet from a horse, just fine. The horse wow. is behind a fence eating and she's on the other side of the fence eating and everybody's cool. And then Other times a day, sometimes there would be like a string of 10 horse and riders. And I have really picked out that it is actually people on the backs of horses that disturbs her the most.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's a
0: funny picture. Which makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's funny, but I was able to use some of those too with like, I was like, okay, this is going to work for us because I can actually ask her to make choices and then reinforce those choices. Right. Whereas when she's in like, holy shit, it's coming for us mode. It's not the time. There's no asking her to make a choice. And so I think that, you know, just saying to everybody that like, there isn't, I think that owners of reactive dogs think that maybe trainers have some magic that like anytime we see a trigger, we can make it a beautiful therapy session. And that's just not It's true.
1: just not the way I do it. It's just it's not what just I'm doing. It's just not how it is. And we and manage so then, always. We just didn't talk about because it that that's that's Because that's how we are. It's just how we do it. And you are with this
0: course- I think singing management from the rooftops in such a way that has not been done that I've seen before. And that's, what's unique. And that's, what's interesting is yeah. that yeah. all of us think that we're teaching management.
1: Everyone right. thinks we're teaching. Everyone management thinks so. everyone tells me that. Oh, I already teach every, all those five things you teach. I'm like, if you don't teach them the way I teach them, trust me.
0: Right. They don't, they, I'm telling you they don't because when you actively teach, when you actively really, really put in the actual work into those things. And as a professional dog trainer, like I mentioned before, you feel pressured mm, yeah. to skirt over those things. You feel pressured to give like 30 minutes in one session to those things mm-hmm. and then get to the
1: therapy. Right. Cause that's what they're paying you for. I can manage at home. I can put my, I can put up a baby. Me, yes, I'm already paying
0: me to get to the therapy. Right. And Truthfully, actually what they're paying you for is management. They're what paying they're paying you, you for is
1: management. Yeah.
0: For that in a yep. large sense. Because if they could just walk the dog down the street and know what to do if they see the thing.
1: Yeah and have it work. And you know, low key, it's actually going to also give some CER stuff to the trigger anyway, because you actually Cause it's are pairing. Because it's, it's, te- not it's therapy, technically but it's therapeutic. therapeutic. And a dirty little secret, everything I do in the management class is stuff I kind of used mm-hmm. to do as my therapeutic approach to reactivity
0: yes, before and that's I replaced actually, it I,
1: with my playway. I do
0: think that that's, <laughs> that is the dirty secret. The dirty is secret. that, And I, I think that that's why our plus trainers, generally speaking, don't have a great track record and don't have a great reputational reactivity. And I'm just gonna say, I'm going to state that right now. For this behavior problem in particular,
1: we, we could don't. be doing better. We could be doing better. We can
0: be activity. as a whole, as an industry, we can be doing better. And there are times I have a nice robust referral list. There are plenty of balance trainers on that referral list. Sometimes I think this case is going to be better served by this balance trainer who I know is going to correct the dog. And I already can just hear the emails coming in, but, but you know what else they're
1: going to do is, is be effectively managing and making choices, but they're also
0: effectively managing the dog. And Hmm. when management, I don't think can be the only thing that you do, but it has to be part of what you do.
1: It's where I start everyone. And yeah, it's, just ironic to me there. Every time I like everything I would solve now through play, I would then just take its corresponding older to me technique off and stick it in the management program. So i like, well, I don't need this. This, this isn't there. This isn't, I can put that over there. You can do that. This isn't playway. This isn't playway. Right. Is, right. Put it over there. You know, it, it, it accomplishes the same. The dog still might've seen the trigger and is now looking at you for, you know, as you're walking away with the cookies, that part is still happening. You're just not waiting for the dog to make the choice and okay. That is different but there's still cookies around the trigger and you're still moving and going. What I find that, I don't know if it's people who've crossed over or just people who are more effective at at reactivity or or whatever it is, are people who are used to making brisk decisions and getting it done. The only thing I had to take out was doing something uncomfortable to the dog, to the dog's body or using any, you know, intimidation to get that done, but I still get it done. And I, I don't know that we separate out those pieces because they're almost like just your style, right? But they're not. Mm. I need to move, and I need to know how to effectively move you without worsening and my problem, and right, ca- you know, causing so, any issue. So
0: where where somebody may effectively move the dog with, for example, a prong collar with a
1: prong collar, right?
0: You are or a gentle leader, you are effectively moving the dog.
1: With, your, with a your treat magnet, with, cookies, with your yeah.
0: magnet, because you've trained the magnet so so much, so much that it works. That it works for you in that moment. In fact, and I'm going to argue that most <laughs> yeah. of your tools, most of your tools, your aversive tools, also need to be trained so that they, they work for you in that moment. You can't they just yank the dog no, on the prong collar that, and hope honestly, it works. <laughs> we that's not going as as a crossover trainer who yeah. utilized prong collars effectively.
1: Never that um, way. for
0: a lo- for a long time, you're just gonna make your life a lot harder if yes. the dog first experiences that level of pressure when they're already wanting to kill something. Okay, That's not like, how you do it when because it doesn't feel good. And what happens when you stub your toe? Choice words come out of my mouth. Aggression. Okay, yes. is what happens when I stub my toe. Choice Well, words. when you when you feel pain, aggression. Right. So yeah. if you're already feeling aggressive, if you're already aggressive It's gasoline
1: and, on the on the embers you, or the exactly. fire exactly
0: and all good balance trainers who are using those tools know that
1: never do they all that know way. that
0: they're mm-hmm. never doing it that way Mm-mm. and so what you're doing is you're just saying i'm going to do it like this instead i'm going to say follow this food mm-hmm. and i'm going to teach you to follow that food so fluently
1: so fluently and you're able to do
0: it in those moments.
1: Here's the, here's the crazy part you're not picturing, probably, or you out there, is that, let's say your dog's on your right. Your magnet hand, your fist of food, is your right hand, okay? It's down there by your dog's nose. It's an onside hand. Your dog is right there on your right knee. Where do you think the leash is? It's in your left hand. Now that means it's draped across your body, which means you are not choked up on it. You are not holding them close. You are not no. holding that leash hand on the same side as the dog and crossing your body for that food. So you might feel out of control. Your dog actually could lunge because you, you've you given them yeah. two, or two feet of leash. Your leash is in the other hand.
0: Yeah, so it feels quite,
1: uh, it feels a little insecure because you you don't have like, you're not right there close to their neck and and, but it's the food, it's the, you have the tool in front of them. They are connected to you and you're walking. And that's a hard one for them to, to kind of let go of. Most people want to have, have that leash really close on their dog so their dog can't go anywhere. And then they're crossing their body with the food hand. It doesn't, it doesn't work. You can't walk that way. You can't get out of there. It really takes figuring out for this to be effective and to be not about you cranking up and holding hard on the dog's neck, which is going to just gasoline everything, Right. You are still, you're using your managerial nature and your the, the, the in-chargeness we used to have as balanced trainer, in charge we didn't call it balanced at the time I was crossed over, they called it traditional training. It wasn't called balanced back then. Right, sorry, right. sorry to flex a few decades on you, but, but you know, <laughs> we, we just like, it was just going to be done because we were in charge of stuff. And then I thought, well, how do I exude being in charge of stuff, but still being, like I'm safe, I'm safely in charge You're of being this. benevolent. yeah. Like I'm a yeah. benevolent, you know, manager here. I'm, I'm we're going to get it done, but don't worry. It's the thing we've done. It's fine. Let's go. I can do that. Um, I think what I see a lot of our positive trainers 1.0 style or newly minted, um, is a lot of negotiation. Like here's the cookie. Okay, come on. I can't pull you by your neck of course, because that would be wrong. Yeah. So now you're stuck kind of statuing, hoping this is going to work, waving the cookie, trying to lure the dog, trying to get the dog to come with you. And I want to say, you you need to go. Like, it's time for you to go. Like you got to go, go. There's a a fear of putting any kind of leash tension. And I I get it. I get why people are afraid of that. I do get it. I get why we teach stuff like this, but you don't have to say there's going to be no leash tension because that's already aversive. What you can say is I've already trained leash tension to be just a signal and it's wonderful. Like I, I just, I put some tension and you're coming along this way and it's not itself inflammatory. It is, it is a cue to just come along. If you can do that to your tools, you've made them positive. You've made them safe. You've made them unemotional. You've made them inconsequential. You made them not a threat. You made them not uncomfortable. And it gives you the same tools you had before, which was just, I'm gonna move us. I'm gonna move us positively and you're gonna have a good CER to it. So it's kind of coming around in this way in my mind where I got rid of things a long time ago. And then I'm like, well, how can I get back the parts of it that were incredibly effective for me without the parts of it that are not any longer in alignment with my principles? And that could be a part that we're not really addressing because we all sort of think we're managing, but we're not all really having a plan to do it and we're not separating it out and we're not thinking about what is it to be a manager? How is it different from training? If we can't say it, we can't teach it.
0: Yeah, and we're not putting in the legwork. Like I do think that's a really big part of it is your course doesn't have, like it's not, there's not that much to it. Like there's not that much. The dog there. doesn't do a
1: whole, does not need to if learn a whole the, lot of skills. For the
0: dog, right? Like there's not a lot of dog skills here. There's a whole lot of human skills mm-hmm. and there's a whole lot of rehearsal. A whole lot of rehearsal. Skills. Mm-hmm. And I haven't you found, in fact, you found it recently with somebody very high profile oh, yeah. um, <laughs> in your class, but <laughs> that just putting in the six weeks of legwork on this. Changed everything for her. Of difference.
1: World of difference for Changed so everything. many people. Changed everything yeah. for her. I, I, I saw her, You know, we ran into each other in Clubhouse or somewhere on social media. And I, I just, I just could see in her handling that she was missing the piece of like, what do you do when, what do you do if, what do you mm-hmm. do if something happens? Mm-hmm. And is this the time to be working? Do you know when it's time to work and when it's not? She's like, there's a time when I'm not working. Like she didn't realize there was right. walks where you she don't she have to know. do that. She's like, my dog's always reacting. Yeah. So I'm always working. Right. I'm like, okay, no, like, well, hang on. Like, wait, let's kind of explore some of this. Let's figure out what else you can do. And um, over time, her dog was becoming quite ready and vigilant and, you know, ready to go because everything around the corner could be time for therapy. And as soon as we gave them management, he he got so much more relaxed.
0: So you just said something really interesting that I Hmm. want you to talk about. Hmm. That when we make every single outing therapy, it's not only that that's kind of not healthy and they should get walks that aren't therapy. Do you think that you actually run the risk of sensitizing the dog to the trigger
1: when every single time you go out, it's a therapy. I know them. that you do. I, I won't say yeah. I know that, I won't say that it 100% happens to 100% of dogs, but you ask me if I think I'm you're increasing the risk. And I'm like, yes, I know for sure you're increasing the risk. Because yes.
0: you're saying- It's been my observation 100% absolutely. that when you, when you, that you just give so much power to yes. the trigger. To the environment. Keep looking around. To keep the, finding to them. To the environment. Exactly. And so many of our you know, protocols for reactivity look really similar to if you were actually teaching the dog to detect and alert <laughs> to the thing. Oh, so, so WTF, can we stop doing that? Like, we so, can stop doing that. I'm so... I love this management idea. I love, you know, I think we do it. One of the great things about us is that I think we come from, I think that we often arrive at similar or the same results with the same values with like different pathways there all the time. Right. Which is why I love talking to you um, because it helps me to grow and expand my pathways. But the more that I focus on just engagement with my dog and my dog's ability to disengage from the environment period period it's not time for work right
1: now for whatever reason yeah
0: to disengage from the environment period is it's
1: helpful to me they can relax more everything is not going to be turned into can i look at it and look away can i do i have to stare at it i mean i know that's not what anyone intends but. Oftentimes things can turn into that. And if we are not actively pressing on it, not turning into that, an average owner only running into therapeutic techniques of looking and looking away is going to emphasize that. And then everything becomes look for the trigger and stare at it. And if you are one of the ones who has a dog who is, you know, dog reactive, sorry, dog and people reactive, but they like dogs. Now they're Mm. looking at something that can build up, bring frustration as well. So it's not even just look and get a jolt of your fear and look away. It can be look and get like, well, I really want that. Now I'm longing to have that. And you're interrupting me and all there's there's a lot and all your motivations are different. So there's, there's so much to looking and looking away behaviors that get oversimplified in what we put out in the common message that, that I think the complexity is often lost and the, the timing of not timing, but the, um suitability, like is it time now to do that or not, is lost. The messages of those is lost. I think mostly people hear over or under threshold, but not exactly any more than that or how to measure that. It, and when some of these nuances are lost, I think the house the house falls apart because it's not really just looking and looking away that is the crux of it. That's a piece of an entire whole. You have to know when to apply it and you have to know how maybe how often your dog can do that on any given walk. You need to know if your dog is becoming sensitized, what would be the The signs of that? Do you know, dog owner? No, I don't think we've told you that. You know, Uh, so what I'd like you to do, brand new person to me who I do not know, and your and your dog is reactive. I really need you to know how to get from A to B and work in your life so that all the rehearsals are gone. I want a hundred. I want to the best of my ability, minus mistakes. I want a hundred percent of the rehearsals gone, minus mistakes. Mistakes we made or things that changed I couldn't tell. I want you to plan so that a one hundred percent. My 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 uh my recipe piece is the three R's, it's reduce, relax, replace. I need to reduce all rehearsals of the stuff I don't want. Just all of it. Like you can't be the dog can't be doing it anymore. We can't have a leak in the boat and be trying to sail. I gotta plug the leak first. All of that has to stop. So all my first things to give you when you when you have reactivity is can you? your dog's attention can you get your dog gonna find it can you feed him while you're walking can he walk okay with you can you turn a u-turn because can you do that while turning over your shoulder and saying no thank you we're walking can you do that Mm -hmm. and navigate can you back up really quick immediately back up get your dog in between your legs there as you're backing up and say no thanks and then do a u-turn and leave can you do that no because you're brand new so of course you can't but i need you to to get out of dodge So once you're completely, completely got this dialed and you've stopped the rehearsals, now we can think about how to relax your dog. Well, make sure all their needs are being met all the time anyway, get your dog in a place where therapy is gonna make a lot of sense. Then we can replace those behaviors. But at first, if you can't reduce them all, I don't want you thinking about replacing them because you're not probably going to, and you might find yourself a year or two years, three years into reactivity people ask me, is reactivity a lifelong, is reactivity forever? You know, my first, my first trainers who trained me in positive, my very first people who I will not name, an entire tradition of people told me that reactivity was forever. It's forever. You cannot right, solve reactivity. Right. And I beg to differ. Not for every day, not for every scenario, I
0: agree but I with beg you to completely. differ. I think that we shouldn't be expecting our clients to live with the level of reactivity that I think we are routine that we as an industry are routinely expecting them to live with. I am I'm really big about meeting the dog where they are. I do think that there are dogs that are not going to cope in mm-hmm. certain environments that they live in without some lifelong management interventions. If Absolutely. I expected Rhea yeah. to not bark at anything,
1: right. I I don't know. If, I need if barking to lose, was your line, need to,
0: right? I literally need to move to a cabin in the woods and never see anything ever again. I mean, it's just not how it is. Right. Right. As well as if I needed to, you know, if I expected Iggy to go to a dog park, I would be, my expectations would be completely incorrect. Right. It's just not, that's not who she is. And I think that, so we have to know what the expectations are, but we also we got to teach these people all of these nuanced little things that we kind of think we're teaching when we, are not if we don't actively put in that serious legwork on those management pieces. And when we start, when we say to them, like, I can, I feel like there are probably people who are listening to this going, wait a minute, you mean to tell me that I shouldn't be training this dog every single time I walk out the door to not react? Right. It's gonna be a mind blown situation and it's gonna be game-changing. It it, it blows people's minds. because no, you should just not deal with it today. Like there should just be days where you're just not dealing with it today. You're just moving away, mm-hmm. and you have to be fluent in those behaviors of getting the dog out of there. And I do think that, gosh, we do we really do sensitise dogs to their triggers by making them this huge deal. By every time we see one, we go, okay, opportunity,
1: opportunity. I mean, we're like, okay, it. oh, oh, look, right? like this is perfect. I'm going to use this one to help to my dog. Do stuff make a CER. Right. You know we focus so much on the dog has to make a good CER so every time you see one of those good things have to happen. And I get it. I get why that holds together. The thing showed up, you want to build a CER, you want to make good things happen. But the thing is one that has to be pretty much done under threshold, mostly, at least for good, for good learning to happen. And you probably aren't Two Right. Management, if a startle
0: response occurs, right. It already you just shot your CER in the foot. I mean, there you the go. Startle already happened. And,
1: yeah. You know, and maybe you're going to try, I'm not saying it's useless. Don't try it, whatever. But like, you know, the chances that that's going to be a great CER moment are dicey. And then- Management CER anyway. You brought food out and you left. You have an opportunity for some passive CER happening. Just let let the passivity work for you. (laughs) Let the passivity work for you. And then also, you know, um, we're so concerned that every time a trigger shows up that they get a CER, that we feel this pressure to make that an opportunity instead of avoiding that one. I can avoid that one today and I'm still at wherever I was before. Like if I see something up ahead, my dog didn't see it. And I just decided to take a different block or turn around or pull up a driveway. I missed an opportunity. Okay, fine. But I also missed a chance to, to not have it work. And that's great. <laughs> you don't have to take every opportunity that's offered to you. And I, I used to think that I needed a lot of reps. Um, I wanted to get a million reps of CER because it takes so long to get emotional change. I wanted to get a, lots of little reactivity reps because each little rep was so tiny in power that, you, that they they needed to be racked up before they would you know, be effective enough, right? Um, much like my old style recall training, thousands of reps, I mean, I don't know how many yes, reps, but lots yes, and lots and lots totally of reps for one yeah. cookie, right? Yes. Lots of reps for one cookie so that the rehearsal reps are, are putting money in the bank, penny by penny. And now when I do my reactivity therapy work through play, I'm getting a lot of movement for in a, in, in, in a session yeah. that is infrequent because it's more, pa- it's now really you're putting powerful. money, you're putting, putting money hundreds into paying, of dollars, hundred by time. hundred, not And so I don't need penny. to, I don't need to yeah. win it away. I can manage yeah. the rest of the time. I and I think I understand why people are... don't understand that. Like I right. understand people don't know what I'm talking about if they don't know, no other stuff that I do, but just to make the parallel to the recall. Now, when I do recalls through being around smarter people, and you're one of them is like, no, I want, I want to be as impressive AF. I want it to be that I called you and you just won the lottery. lottery. You didn't know that you were about to, like the world opened up and everything happened right now. The amazing stuff. So that it makes an impression. So that you remember it. So that you turn on a dime when I call. It's not about the repetition exactly. It's about the impression you make. And if I'm going to make a big impression, I'm not going to do it 30 times on this walk. I might do it twice on this walk. Maybe it's more effective if you do it. It's less more effective. Often. And yeah. so it's more effective when I do it less often if I make a big impression. So n- now that I get that in my bones as a, as a guiding principle, it's not always going to make every choice go that way, but as a guiding principle, if that's how I'm thinking about it, then I don't have to take advantage of every single rep on every single walk of every single looking behavior. Cause I'm not trying to fill the bank account by penny by penny anymore. I can say, yeah, we'll pass this on. We'll pass this $5 off the, off the street here right now. Cause there's you know, there's a thousand for me on on Saturday when I have the setup arranged exactly as I needed, and my dog's really going to learn a bunch of stuff. I'm not just thinking I gotta I gotta I gotta whittle away at the CER piece by piece because I'm not just relying on CER only any longer. I have a I have a lot of things to pull from, so I feel free to manage. I feel free to say not right now. And for people, for regular people who are just doing this, I'm sorry if they can't manage and avoid problems and kind of stop the leak. They're not. Ready for the complexities of how therapeutic interventions are going to work is they don't even probably have the t- the, the skills, the, the training skills to get any of that splitting. done. It's they, all they good can't training. Think along those
0: lines. All good training involves splitting. I don't get to ask my dog to go do twelve wee poles tomorrow. <laughs> this the smart thing for me to do is to start with either wide open channel or yeah. I'm starting with two at can a time, you, right? Can like, you can you charge ahead to a to price right. toy? Can How about that? Can you run to your reinforcer through the wide open channel? That's yes. where we begin. Yes. That's can you follow my cookie magnet? Yeah.
1: There's no there the are corner. no weave. This channel is not weave poles. This channel is just you're just running to the cookie. Exactly. So there's exactly. no and, pro, there's no training yeah. on your part. But what's funny, Amy, is
0: that when we're talking skills training for sports. Mm for some reason people can recognize that you got to start with the wide open channel. And then we talk about behavior and everybody goes, well, I'm going to, I got to have a decoy dog <laughs> in that field so that I can do several reps of see the dog look away, and, yeah. get re- right. Like I actually split it down, Damn. get rid of that decoy dog. If the second you walk out the door, the dog is on guard going, where's the thing that's going to show up that's the first thing that you have to address.
1: And, you, and you've and you already, like you, you already have not managed your dog uh, often enough, consistently enough that when they go outside, when they go outside, they should be expecting to sniff stuff and look around and, and have you yes. have the protection around them of the triggers. Like no one's going to approach you, dog. I got that handled. And if someone right. is approaching us, I've got your nose, I'm backing up, I'm running away and we're running for fun. Yay. Look at us. We're running. We like, it, right. don't worry. I've got this. Whatever happens, I'm going to snap into action and, and get us out of it or have you not have to do it. And when they see that consistently enough, they start going, yeah, there's a person, but you got it. And they keep sniffing. And you know what that looks like? That looks a lot like not reactivity. I I don't think that's the full piece, of course. I do want them comfortable as well. (laughs) Like, that's not the whole thing. But good Lord, to at least walk. (laughs) And snake on by and give a cookie and 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 move on. I think
0: that we don't, this is probably a whole other Oprah, but I don't think that we talk enough about what non-reactive dogs look like out on a walk. It's true. Instead, we talk about, I want this dog to see the thing, look back at me, wait for instruction or get paid or, or whatever working the whole time when a non-reactive dog just goes okay
1: like whatever
0: right like if your dog doesn't react to fire hydrants then <laughs> are fire hydrants a problem on your walk do you care where they are do you No, nobody cares
1: what, like your dog just, no, and nobody teaches engage and disengage to fire hydrants. I mean, of course I'm being ridiculous. Of course, no one does that. Right. But we're not (laughs) uh, ridiculous on purpose, but we're not, because I don't know where they are on the blog.
0: Right. And so if my dog sees, you know, like Raya, I would not label Raya, uh, reactive to other dogs. But she does have big feelings about other dogs because she really likes them. She's very social. Mm -hmm. And if she is on a leash, that can frustrate her and she can start Mm -hmm. barking. And Mm -hmm. I definitely think that if I lived in... A different scenario if I lived in suburbia and needed to walk her in suburbia every day on a short leash I think she would be probably pretty barky yeah, lunch other dogs she'd, she'd start you know feeling pretty she'd, agitated she'd want, every time she wants yes she would and so the other just the other day there was a dog behind a chain link fence that was honestly probably a good 50 feet away from us like there was like a ravine between the two of us but the dog was like reacting at her and she saw him and she was off leash and she puffed up and then she went you're really far away and she sniffed and like we we just kept walking and i was mm-hmm. like that
1: that's what that's what not being reactive looks like it, it's also what looking and dismissing is
0: which that, i want them to dismiss, naturally do
1: that's why I, that's why i put and dismiss it in play is way.
0: the look and dismiss is the natural normal way that it's dogs in their environment
1: it's how they look in their environment it's natural everybody in it's natural everybody everything if something unusual oh, course happens course in is. your I, environment I, Absolutely. You look at it, you look at it. it,
0: you make it, you go, am I safe? You go, huh? Yes, I, okay. And then you move
1: on. You file it away. You compare it to your database or you put it in your database. You make a decision and you move on. And this is what we, we're asking little puppies to do all the time. This is what our, our general socialization processes are. They see the whole world, they catalog it. They're like, I've never seen that. Now I have, okay. That's what their open windows are all about. Like now I see this. And now there's those kind of people. And dogs who are not doing that well anymore, because now they're reactive, are reactive before they get any chance to get any new information. So mm-hmm. that whole procedure is gone. So when I set up therapy, I want control of everything so that a dog can say, okay, let me look at this. And right. so when I was allow, a new, look and so we can allow looking to occur because yeah. I've set it yeah. all up because I've, ch- I've taken control of the antecedents. Now, when exactly. I was taught reactivity stuff for walking reactive dogs many years ago in the place I learned dog training, in one of the places, which I'll protect the name of, I was taught the two second rule. If a dog is gonna, if a dog has looked now for two whole seconds, you're probably not going to like the next decision they make. They're either going to play bow, which you don't want to unleash either, or they're going to spark at it. They're going to react and stuff. So you might let him look, but yeah. you're going to yeah. look at them looking and then say, oh, hey, look back at me, please. Because you've looked a little long. I don't like the stuckness you got. It was called the two second rule. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but I'm saying that because reactive dogs can't look any longer without us interrupting because by necessity, we have to, because they're going to blow up. There's there's precious little experience they get where they actually get to look long enough to gather any new information. They have been interrupted because we have to, because they're going to blow. And we find ourselves in this catch 22 of I'm a little close to everything. Uh, the, the longest they can look is a few seconds before we have to interrupt. And they, they do learn to self-interrupt But I don't know that they look long enough to actually change the way they, they, the, the information that they get. Yeah, probably not. And, and probably not, or maybe they get it in two second chunks and, and like for the right Mm -hmm. dog, that was enough over the course of a month or two, they've gotten enough two second chunks and they're going like, nah, right. This is fine. That doesn't work. I used it for a decade. I mean, I used it probably a decade and a half. I know it does work, but I found it to take a long period of time. Plus also be kind of hit or miss. It, It wasn't fixing enough of the cases and it was kind of had to meet the right dog in the right scenario the two second bite so to speak is not often enough and I, I found myself wanting to give them much longer periods of time to 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 sort that out like we give puppies unlimited time to look around because they're not reactive yet they're just looking around right and stuff. which is
0: why what i call dog park tv is such a yes. huge part of the way that i treat reactivity it is they're over there and you're over here and you look get to it. watch them Look and at it, take it in. Just watch them and take it in. And file it away and move on when you're done. And, and you're Yeah, fine. file it, catalog it. I'm not going to interrupt you because everybody's safe.
1: And you uh, can... Ask your questions, get them answered. Yeah. Get what's normal? Yeah. I, I like dogs to look at people doing that because I want them to see a bunch of normal human behavior. That's what people do. That's yeah. what they do. But if I keep interrupting it, and of course, because I have to, you get into a catch-22, now you find you have to interrupt or it's going to be yeah. bad, if but now they don't get the information. Scenario. yeah. Right. And so we can get a little too latched onto having to do that for every trigger and having to do that for every walk, because we're trying to get all this work done. And it's a, it's a good intentions gone, not quite gone wrong, but just good intentions that can cycle up around themselves and never quite get to the therapeutic part of it. And to the management part of it. And if we just separate these out and say, I will do therapy at this time when it is right, when my trainer said it was right, or when I've learned that other things are in place like threshold or distance or something, that's when I'm going to do the part that I've learned. That's when we do my intervention. And the rest of the time, I'm going to do my best to avoid my problem. And it won't always work, but it mostly will work. And I'll get better at it over time. I will avoid my problem actively, not forever. I will avoid it now. So that I can mm-hmm. save time for therapy. It's just what we're already doing as trainers, as people. That's how you and I manage our dogs. We're making decisions mm-hmm. all the time about whether it's the right time mm-hmm. to do this or I right tend to do that constantly. But yeah. I don't remember codifying it until I was asked to codify it. I don't remember actually breaking it out until it was like, hey, you should teach management class. And I'm like, a class in management? Like, what would that even be? I already, like everyone manages, just don't get in trouble. And, and I really had to stop and, and, and think then- what is teaching management? Then you and wrote like, it.
0: Oh. Then you taught it. And it is actually changing the oh. way. It's changing the results. It's shifting the results
1: mm-hmm. so much further forward. And it's giving people who are my primary learners a way to be successful early, which we all know as trainers, we got to do in the first, in, from the get-go, we got to get them successful right away, right? Um, but it's it's saying, you're going to be successful right away and I'm going to take your fear seriously. Um and some of your fears, I know they are, you're not going to tell me them, but some of your fears are that you're not going to conduct the therapy part right. You're not really sure what to do. And you think, you're okay, I'm supposed to click now. or I'm supposed to, okay, I'm right. It's the, it's the looking part and then I'm going to do the, and all of that thinking is time is ticking by and, and we're building fluency on your therapy parts, but you still don't know quite how to just leave. And you're not sure if you should leave because maybe that'll involve a little bit of neck pulling. It's kindly done, but it might have to happen. And you're, you've maybe been told you're not supposed to. We have to get to them and say, this is what we do when we have to go. This is how we make it fun and positive, but either way, I need you to walk that way and it's okay. And we're going to teach your dog that these things are okay. This is our first order of business. Um, Don't, I don't want you to statue. I don't want you to feel like you got to freeze. I don't want you to feel afraid in this moment. I don't want you to feel like you got to talk to the owner over there and tell them that your dog actually is friendly and that you're working on it. You can do that over your shoulder as you walk away. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. It's like, you can. We, we have to address what really happens for real human beings who are not used to dog training first. And we come at it far too often as dog trainers with the training tools part. And I know that's not everybody, and I'm not really actually you know being hypercritical of everyone in our field or anything like that. It's that sometimes we just don't put the, the plan of it out front and say, I'm going to teach this first and then these things second, so that owners are always successful. Owners are part of the errorless system too. And although they're not going to truly be errorless and never make a mistake, I want them to know what to do, what the plan is for everything, for everything. What's your plan if your dog gets to the end of the leash and barks? What's your plan? Like, I don't want them to make it up. I'm going to tell them the plan to be perfectly honest. Ah, (laughs) But what are you, what are you going to do when a dog is across the street? What are you going to do? Like, here's what you're going to do. They deserve that. They deserve that. They deserve it. And, and too often management is a passive process. And I want people to think of it as a, as a thing they do. Right. It's a character they put on. Yeah. You know, as a, you'll you'll become the manager and you will take over, you know, the toddler is is okay to play in this part of the of the sidewalk or whatever and when the toddler is about to toddle over into the street you don't wait to see if they're going to follow your instruction of hey don't go in the street you actually don't do that you become all of a sudden the the manager the parent you walk over and you stop it from happening um and your intention is not to scare your child so you're going to maybe grab them and be like hey we're going to go over here you know grab them and go what are you doing right so same thing. I mean, you did if you were my mom. I mean, you did if you were <laughs> <that's-> <laughs> right. And you might. And you know what? To be perfectly honest, sometimes we are that breast. You and- totally might. Exactly. You are. But you can exactly. teach your dog you're that too. And, and I'd be lying if I didn't, if I didn't say I often taught my dogs that things like, oh my God, here's a cookie. What is that? Here's a cookie. <gasps> no, don't do that. Here's a cookie. So that my dogs are absolutely bomb-proof to all my crazy, extroverted, loud speech that might yell. I don't want to control. I, I know I won't control myself perfectly. So I'll pad my dog. And that's management too. Your dog should be like, oh, this is just another one of these dumb games she plays. Like, okay. know oh, is there a dog? They're probably not. You just do this every day. <laughs> if you If you managed, I tell people to manage once a block if you live in a typical blocked suburban mm. situation, yeah. manage once a block as if something happened, as if I want you to walk down and pretend the door to that house just opened. Dog yep. came barreling out. Or that car that just parked, they're going to open the door and a dog's going to pop out. Why don't you pretend it did? Just pretend it did and do a little management thing and get out of there. And then be like, haha ha, psych, nothing happened. Throw some cookies down, walk on some more. Once a block, your dog's going to be like, this is just the stuff we do. And as a side benefit, you get an engaged walk. As a side benefit, you get some loose leash walking that's really nice. As a side benefit, you get relevance, you're relevant and engaging, and you didn't have to teach them all those things. You're just teaching the management. It gets all these side benefits as well. You're not going to get perfect loose leash walking, but you'll get a bunch of it. And it doesn't have to be therapy to be therapeutic. Oh, let me write that down. So that might need to be the title <laughs> I feel like it, it probably will be. I think it's excellent. So
0: you are teaching this class coming up.
1: I am. This one runs when, starting February 1st. When,
0: right. So when this podcast comes out, we will be on the brink of registration. Of
1: registration. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's the so 22nd can, of January. Yeah. Yes. So everybody can run over and I will link the registration page in the notes. So everybody can run over to FDSA and register on the 22nd for reactivity management.
1: If you're curious uh, about this. management for reactive dogs, I think is what they're t- what is titled with this title management for reactive, reactive dogs. dogs. But you know what? Your dog does not have to be reactive. I'd like to leave you with the point that your dog can be hyper enthusiastic. Um, yeah. Your dog can be young. If your dog is young, um, learning a management system is just a kindness little buffer you put in. It's Absolutely. not, there's no dog that doesn't, because, because here's the be hint. management all of
0: us, all of us dog trainers, teach all of our dogs all these things all of us do this first before they have a problem
1: absolutely and and there is no dog that is not at some point going to be bested by something there's 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 no dog that's never seen something it was unprepared for i don't want my dog to be have nothing they can do if they're unprepared i want them to see a mom their mom me go you're not prepared don't worry i am do these things and they're like oh those things i got it any dog needs this Yes,
0: so I'll need it. So everybody run over there and register. Amy, hmm. this has been fantastic. I'm can we do sure
1: it every day can we it do it every night Not
0: the last time because I feel <laughs> I wrote I we need to talk about playway.
1: We do. And we need to talk about thresholds. We need to talk about thresholds. We need to talk about thresholds. Y'all we so don't those, those do those both of those that things enough. came up and we need so to talk about so we'll our positive back. 2.0 and the I mean, guide There
0: <laughs> there's so many things we have to talk about so we'll just have you as a recurring guest i'm sure everyone will complain i'm sure and <laughs> her again <laughs> her again oh come on we just heard from her oh, exactly no. thank you so much do you want to um let That's, everybody know sure. where they can find you
1: It's a pleasure I would do this weekly. You can find me teaching classes at at the Fenzy Dog Sports Academy FDSA. I teach the Playway there. I teach this management class there. And I teach uh, kind of a new take on sound sensitivity with my sound protocol there. And you can find me all over the socials because I'm social. Uh she is indeed. i like being it so i am both um at playway dogs on instagram and also at dog geek uh that's been my old account but that's where i'm most active as a dog geek uh because i am dog geek i am um and i've recently you know engaged with tiktok i'm kind of you know i'm uh, pretending to be a millennial or is it gen z i don't remember um <laughs> And I'm on TikTok. I think
0: as a, as a millennial, I'm too old for TikTok. So yes, I, I like, think so. Okay, so it's Gen Z. But it is, TikTok is so fun. I love it. It's fine.
1: TikTok is fun. It's fun if you make it fun. And I'm Amy Cook, PhD there. My website is playwaydogs.com um, and my Facebook the same. And Otherwise, you know, get on my mailing list and stuff and see new stuff for me. There'll be new stuff coming out soon. So go to playwaydogs.com and get on the mailing list there to, to hear about any new announcements, which will be coming. Perfect. Thank you, friend. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm humbled and grateful. I'm always glad to get to talk to you and glad to be here. Thanks for listening.
0: Please be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. If you'd like to support this podcast, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio. You might even hear me answer your question on the show. For more content, like the stuff you heard here check out my online courses at cog-dog-classroom.teachable.com.